0: All right. Good morning. Good morning. We're gonna be getting started here this morning. I know. I'll tell you, the Lord has been doing some really, really, really unbelievable, awesome, amazing things. We're gonna be sharing a little bit about that this morning. Is anybody ready to hear some good news? I don't know if my mic's on or not. It is. Can you take me up a hair? Um, I know. Yeah. I'm. I'm an investor this morning. In case you guys were wondering. I like dad jokes if if you're not aware, but I'm Pastor Steve. For those who are visiting, thank you so much for joining us. I wanted to start off with with a scripture from uh, the Passion Translation, of course, keeping Sharon's, Sharon's, um, uh, yeah, alive, Um, from John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, Jesus starts calling in his disciples. And I love the fact that he has chosen you and I that he loves you that much that he chose you and I to come and to follow him. And so he he, found, he goes into Galilee, he finds Philip, and he calls Philip to come and follow him. And Philip is so excited, he went to find his friend. He wanted to go find his buddy and tell him all about it. He's like, finally, we found the one. So he found this guy named Nathaniel. Now, they don't know how to spell in the Bible. They got his spelling wrong. It's But anyways, we'll talk to Jesus about that in the end. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but he went and he found his friend Nathaniel, and and he's telling him all about Jesus. This is the one. This is the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. He is the Savior. And Nathaniel's like, seriously? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's literally what he says in John chapter one. He, it says Nathaniel sneered. So Philip answered, "Come on, let's go see him. Let's go find out. You can see for yourself." And so when Jesus saw Nathaniel still approaching at the distance. Jesus said, now here comes a true son of Israel. He is an honest man with no hidden motive. Now, I don't know about you all, but I love those personality types. They rub me the wrong way because you don't have to, you never have to question what they're thinking. Do you know that kind of person? What's on their mind, they're saying. You don't have to wonder what they think about you. They're going to tell you. that—that That is an honest person. (laughs) I know that may rub you the wrong way sometimes, but it's a good thing, so... You know, here comes Jesus sees Nathaniel coming. He knows everything that Jesus that Nathaniel had said about him, but he's like, "Here's an honest man who has no hidden motive." Nathaniel was stunned in verse forty-eight, and he said, "But you've never even met me. How do you know anything about me at all?" And Jesus answered, and I, I picture him laughing at this point. He's like, "Nathaniel, right before Philip even came to you to tell you about me, I saw you sitting under the shade of a fig tree." Nathaniel blurted out, he's like, teacher, you truly are the son of God, the king of Israel. He just, uh, what an honest man, right? He's convinced because Jesus saw what he was doing before Philip even said anything about him. And Jesus went on and continued to answer. And he's like, you you believe simply because I told you that I saw you sitting under a fig tree. A word of knowledge brought salvation to Nathaniel. How awesome is that? The gifts of the spirit, a word of knowledge But Jesus went on and he said, you're going to experience even more impressive things than that. I'm going to prophesy to you right now eternal truth. And this is his prophetic word that he gives to Nathaniel. He said, from now on in verse 51, you will all see an open heaven and you will gaze upon the son of man like a stairway reaching into the sky with the messengers of God climbing up and down upon him. I kind of get this picture of um, Abram's stairway, right? Stairway to heaven. Jacob. Jacob's stairway to heaven. Thank you for correcting me. (laughs) You know, but Jesus said you're going to see even more impressive things than that because there's an open heaven, and I believe that that is the case this morning. I see Jesus stirring up some good, good things. I know a few of you uh, even—the interesting thing is a few of you even mentioned when you came in that you just had this gut feeling that something big was happening, and you weren't sure if it was good or bad, but you had that queasy stomach feeling, you know, a couple of different people came to me and said they feel that. Um, I was feeling like it was going to be something big, something huge. And so I'm going to share some good news with you this morning, uh, which is going to lead to even greater news here in a few weeks. Um, the elders were, you know, we were being led to do something, um, something huge and in faith because look around, we're not many. It was a huge financial step. Um, and we weren't sure how it was going to happen. No clue, but we were like, you know what? But we feel like now is the time that we need to just plant in this, we need to invest in this, and we're just believing God is going to take care of it. Well, this morning, we received a check that paid off the mortgage of this building. Yeah! Woo! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> how good is our God, right? Woo! <laughs> oh it is unbelievable one hundred thousand dollars is what we owed on this building and we received a check this morning for that amount how awesome is our god like (laughs) i just couldn't wait to share with everyone i'm just bubbling up inside and just whoa like wow but i believe that that check is the same as nathaniel receiving that word of knowledge jesus is like you're excited about that that's nothing i've got more impressive things coming your way (laughs) wow and so jesus we're just in awe of you of who you are that you would be mindful of little us sitting here in new mind a town that we always have to explain where it is because nobody's heard of it but we thank you jesus that it is so near and dear to your heart. We thank you for the amazing things that you have done. We have seen cancer disappear. We have seen backs fully healed and restored. We have seen miracle after miracle here in this place. We praise you for this financial miracle that you have provided, Lord. But we were not finished Lord. We are looking forward to even more impressive things here in this place. We thank you that you are putting New Mind Pennsylvania on the map, not because of us, but all because of you and for your glory. So this morning, Jesus, we give you glory in your name. Amen. You know, if I had the worship team come forward, I'm flip-flopping the service again. We're going to enter straight into worship but I did want to let you all know, um, you know, for those who are visiting at, at New Hope, obviously, God has always meet, met every single one of our needs. But we do open up an opportunity. Um, you know, if you feel led to give, uh, we have the offering plates available up here to bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse. We believe it's an act of worship, so we do it during worship. So, uh, you know, we, we ask to give, not a compulsion or obligation. Whatever the Lord lays in your heart, because this is not about money here. There is greater things happening. I believe there is an open heaven this morning. As we are practicing worship, we are just sensing the strong presence of God. So whatever you came in here with this morning, I believe God is here to meet you where you're at. He is here to heal. He is here to deliver. He is here to provide. He is here to meet every one of your needs because that's what he has promised to do. And he paid a high, high price to make it possible. Amen. The rest of you are stuck with me we're gonna be diving through the word and I may cut some things for time's sake but it's really interesting because whenever I was I was really praying and having a hard time hearing what I was supposed to share about this morning um and then God's like well I mean what what did you get for worship and I'm like oh yeah so this morning we're talking about how there is power in the name of Jesus I didn't realize how prevalent that theme was through worship until we came together for practice. There is power in the name of Jesus, tremendous power. In fact, long ago, when Joel talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Joel chapter 2, he also prophesied this. He said that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That same promise of Joel that was prophetically spoken was quoted in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 21, and in Romans, chapter 10, verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. How awesome is that? That Jesus will never turn his back on you, that he will never ignore you, never neglect you. He is with you, he is for you. And when you call on him, no matter what bonehead decision you made, right, that got you to the place that you're at, Jesus will answer he will save he will heal he will deliver he will do whatever it takes to get you right back where you're supposed to be right it's an awesome awesome promise now there are some people that I've gotten into discussions with people and I'm going to mention it for time's sake but there are people who say no no no. there's nothing nothing about the name of Jesus right because because his accurate name is Yeshua right There's no J in the Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew languages. There is no J. There's no power in the name of Jesus. It's Yeshua, right? Um, There's other people that argue that uh, the only name that we should use for God himself is the one that he gave to himself, Yahweh. And of course, we use all those names and more. Um, When you look through the Old Testament, there have been so many names given to God based off his attributes of who he is, based on his acts and what he has done. You know, there's so many names of God. We got Jehovah Jireh, one of my favorite, you know, the God who provides. And he has done that this morning for sure. Um, The reality is there's many names given for God. And and there's nothing magical about that name, Jesus. It's not like some magical word that you can invoke like bippity-poppity-boo and something happens, you know. If any of you are still waiting for your fairy godmother, you know, she never popped up. Don't feel bad. There's nothing magical about that name, Jesus. In fact, there's been, Jesus is a very common name. During the days that he was given that, when the angel came to Mary and Joseph and said, That's going to be his name. It was actually a very common name. In a lot of cultures today, it's a very common name, right? I mean, you know, we in, got in, in, um, in Hispanic culture, you know, Jesus, it's a very common name to give to people. Nothing magical about that. What is powerful about the name of Jesus? is who you are referring to, right? The person of Jesus. That's why there is tremendous power. Because when we speak the name of Jesus, we are referring to the son of the one true living God. We are referring to God in the flesh, the fullness of God in human form, right? Who gave his life on the cross. And I love, like, Maria had reminded us this morning, you know, it is finished. Those were his three last words on the cross. It is finished. It's complete It's done. Your healing has been provided for. Everything that you could ever need has already been provided for. We just need to learn how to receive it, right? But we're referring to him who has been exalted and given the name above every name. The one who has been exalted by God the Father at the right hand of him and who has been given all power, all authority. That's a lot, isn't it? I can't think of anything more than all. If I give you all of something, I got nothing less left to give, right? You can't possibly give more than all. God the Father chose to give all power, all authority to the Son, to Jesus Christ himself. Paul talks about this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. He said, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and he still speaks to us today through those ancient words. And he said it many times and in, in various ways he spoke. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things. And through him he has also made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior even to theirs. There's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus was there in the beginning at creation. His word brought into existence all that we see. He was there in the beginning. And his word is so powerful today to sustain all things. Think about how powerful his word is. His word that he can just speak and silence the storms he can just speak and release healing i'm reminded of the um the centurion who came and i think um i can't remember who was sick. i think it was one of uh you know one of his um yeah what she calls it but anyways he came up to jesus and he he was pleading for for their healing and jesus is like okay well i'll go and the centurion is like no no no. I, i understand i am a man in authority as you are i understand how it works all i have to do is say the word and people move, and things happen. And Jesus said that he had never seen such great a faith as that man had. And he said, it'll be finished for you. And in that same hour, that person was healed. Never visited the person, never laid hands on them, never did anything, he just said the word. And it was done. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, Paul reminds us that God exalted Jesus to the highest place that he gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, all for the glory of God the Father. And Paul went, and he, he spoke to the church in Ephesus, and he wrote, and he said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ that the glorious Father will give you the same spirit of revelation and wisdom so that you may know Jesus better. And that should be our prayer as well. Jesus, give us the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation so that we can get to know you better. Paul wrote, he said in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope that he has called you into the riches of his glorious inheritance for all God's holy people. He has incomparably greater power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. His power is that same power that is far above all rule, all authority, every other power, all dominion. His name is above every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. The church is his body. It is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. There's a lot of language there of all and every and complete and and under his feet. Jesus Christ has been given all power, all authority over everything. And he is the head of this body, the church, the head of the entire church worldwide. And he still has work to do today. A head can't do much on its own, can it? Just give commands, pretty much, right? Tell the rest of the body what to do. It's no different in the spiritual realm. Jesus is the head of the body. We are the hands, the feet, the heart, the knee, the whatever else you want to imagine. We are the ones that now accomplish the work of Jesus here on the earth. After Jesus died and he rose again, he appeared to his disciples. He spoke to them. And I am still a firm, firm believer that this word still applies to us today. Now, I'm going to be quoting it from Mark chapter 16, but you'll find it in the other Gospels as well. It's most commonly quoted from Matthew 28. Because Matthew 28, Matthew didn't remind it as like Pentecostal as as Mark did. So I'm going to go to Mark and, and quote how he reminded it. But he quoted Jesus as saying this, Go into all the world, And preach the gospel to all creation. We call this the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever doesn't believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked together with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. This is a powerful scripture the great commission to go out to preach the gospel to share the good news about jesus with everyone and in his name in his name to cast out demons to lay hands on the sick and to pray for them and to see them get well to to do all these things you know and um you know we're obviously not a snake handle in church we because what what did jesus say not to put him to the test right paul proved this it happened in the new testament because after jesus spoke these words When you read through Acts to Revelation, that's what was happening. They were going out all through the world, preaching the good news, healing the sick, delivering those who were in bondage. Like, they they just did what Jesus said to do. Why? Because they just believed that that was their purpose. They believed that that was their calling, that that is why they were saved. It wasn't just for their own get-out-of-hell card, you know. It was because now they are a part of something greater than themselves. And they were. We're here this morning as a result of their ministry, right? We heard the good news because they shared the good news. And so we see the rest of the New Testament is full of common, ordinary people like you and I who did the miraculous just because they chose to take Jesus at his word, believing there is power in the name and in the word of Jesus. Now, while Jesus was still alive, I'm doing a little backflash here. While he was warning his disciples about his upcoming death, they started to get confused about what he was talking about. And trust me, I get confused with what God is doing, you know, here and now. I'm like, Lord, what are you up to? I don't, I don't see it. I don't understand it. Can't make sense of it. That's okay. Jesus tried to explain it to them. He tried to bring them comfort. He tried to encourage them while they were still trying to grasp what he was up to. You see, their, their perspective was nearsighted, but Jesus's was farsighted. They're like, Jesus, free to die. That's like the worst thing could ever happen to us. What are we gonna do? Who are we gonna be? She's like, No, 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 no. It's for your good that I'm going to die. <laughs> How horrific does that sound? Now we know why it was good for him to die, but it didn't seem good to die. And it just, we don't understand what God is doing here and now, but later we will understand. That's what we believe and see. And in the meantime, we just put our lives in his hands, trusting him. The far-sighted always see better things. The prophetic always sees the better end how god's goodness is going to work in and through that situation they see that an encounter with god's eternal goodness lies on the other side of that temporary valley of the shadow of death and so jesus answered them here in john chapter 14 verse i'm going to start in verse 6 and it says jesus answered i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and if you really know me, then you know my father already as well. From now on, you do know him. You have seen him. But Philip, remember Phil? We talked about him earlier at the beginning while we were opening. Philip said, Lord, just show us the father and that'll be enough. He's like, I'm not getting it. I, I see you, Jesus. I'm talking to you, Jesus. I, I haven't seen the father. And Jesus is like, come on. If you've seen me, you've seen him. Philip's like, well, it'll be enough if you just show me him. And she's like, but you've seen him because you've seen me. He just wasn't getting through, right? I, I picture that's a lot of my conversations and prayers with God, you know? And he's like, okay, okay. How? I, I love, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to get political, but I love the previous press prayer, secretary when she's like, all I can do is tell it to you. I can't understand it for you. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I how Jesus is for us. He's like, i can give you the revelation i just i can't understand it for you you got to work with me here okay i'll give you the holy spirit the spirit of understanding and and we'll somehow get this going you know so that you understand it but philip is really struggling here he's distraught he's not getting it and so jesus answered don't you know me philip even after i've been among you for such a long time anyone who has seen me has seen the father so how can you even say to me show us the Father'?" Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? These words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father who is living in me. It is he who is doing all of his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe the evidence of the works. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and even greater things than these, all because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it in Jesus' name. This is a bold statement of Jesus, that whoever believes in him will be doing all the works that he did in even greater things. That's a pretty tall order, isn't it? Who here believes in Jesus this morning? That, that, that's, that's Jesus speaking about you. Jesus said you will be doing all the things that he was doing in even greater things. Wow. I've only got a little taste of that. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen the full revelation of that one yet. But why did he say that? He said it because he died. That's what he was referring to. He died to pay the price for our sin. Then he rose again to life. And he has also risen us up into a new life, a new creation. Then he baptized us in the Holy Spirit to fully equip us for every good work so that we could be guided and begin to understand the will of God, even as Jesus did. He wasn't He didn't go around doing things of his own accord. He just did what he felt the Father was calling him into. That's why he had such such success. And we could have success in life in the same way, not just with signs, wonders, and miracles, but in every area of life. We could be successful and prosperous, not as the world defines prosperous, but as the kingdom defines it, growing the fruits of the Spirit if we just kept in step with the Spirit if we just did what the Father was calling us to do. And the good news is, this morning, it's not too late. It doesn't matter what you did this morning. Every day is a brand new day full of brand new grace, brand new mercies, the brand new love of God to get right back on the track that we swayed away from. Every day is a day where we get to walk in this Through the Holy Spirit, we become ambassadors of heaven. We speak. We act in Jesus' name. We represent him. We do so in his authority. It's essentially the same as the power of attorney. If any of you have had, like, you know, older parents or whatnot walk through this process, it's when they give you the legal right to speak and to act on their behalf when you are given power of attorney. Jesus has essentially given you power of attorney over his kingdom. You're his ambassadors. You speak and you act on his behalf. And we've done a miserable job at times, right? But still he trusts us. He always hopes. He always trusts. He always perseveres. He believes that you will not fail him. You will not fail to represent his name and his kingdom well. You may have blown it yesterday, but you're going to get it right tomorrow. He believes in you that much. that He has not revoked that power. He has given it to you and he will not take it away. All power, all authority has been given to Jesus Jesus then said, go, go into all the nations. He said, I'm giving you the power and the authority. You are going to be my body. You are going to be my hands and my feet and my mouth. You are going to go out there and do all the works that I did and even greater things, greater things. And he said that as we go out and we preach the good news about him to all creation, that he will accompany the sharing of the good news about him. He will choose to do this. He will work signs and miracles and wonders. Those signs serve as practical, undeniable evidence pointing people to Jesus. And that's what all these things do. Signs, wonders, and miracles. We don't want to chase after them. Those are signposts. To guide and direct us to Jesus so that we're chasing after him. We don't chase after the miracles. We chase after the miracle worker. We don't chase after the revelation. We chase after the one who provides all revelation and all things that we could ever need. Healing, deliverance, speaking in tongues, every other miracle that we could ever even think of or imagine. And I think that he wants to do something that we've never even imagined yet. He's going to do those things. They all serve as literal signs to point people to Jesus. Because there ain't no way Steve could have did that, right? I can't lay my hands on anyone to make anyone sick trust me if i could there'd be a whole lot of whole healthy people out there including myself right don't think i'd take that for myself but the spirit working through us jesus moving in us and through us that's why we can because it's him he calls us to do it and when we walk in obedience he meets us there in that place they are all a cooperation between us and him as we represent him to the world around us. Before Jesus began to travel and to minister out to the different towns, it's easy to miss this. Um, it's in Luke chapter 10. Before he went out to those towns, he sent ahead of him 72 disciples. They went to each of those different towns ahead of them, and they already began moving in the power and authority that he gave them. He said, I give you power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure all diseases and to heal all the sick. That's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10. And so they went out ahead of him and they began doing those things. What were they? They were a sign. There is one coming. He's the one who is doing all these things. But he warned his disciples that as they went about doing those things, not everyone would accept them, but that many would reject them. And when they came back to Jesus, here's what they said. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 20. Said the 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all of the power of the enemy. is, Is there any power that the enemy has over you? that's greater than the power that Jesus has given you? Jesus said, I have given you authority to overcome all of the power of the enemy so that nothing will harm you. Now, if you read through those disciples' lives, you know that by worldly standards, some harm came their way, but it didn't stop them. Look at Paul's life. There was a time when he was beaten so badly they thought he was dead and they drug his body outside of the city walls. But that couldn't stop him. All authority. Nothing can stop us until Jesus says it's time. In fact, he even gave us authority to raise the dead. Why? Because some people die before their time, don't they? Jesus still has a work for you. So we raise them back up. Joe's a living example of that, you know? Sometimes you got to raise them back up to life because they're not done yet. There's still work to do. Jesus went on and he said, However, don't rejoice that the Spirit submit to you Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Our focus, our focus must always remain on who we are, not what we can do. Who we are is far more important. If we have received the salvation provided by Jesus Christ, if we have placed our lives into his hands, then we've been adopted into his family. We are now children of God. Your identity is a son and a daughter of God. You're a child of God. And as a parent, you understand doesn't matter what your children does. You still love them. You're, you're proud of them when they get it right and when they finally do what you always knew they could do but you're not any less proud of them as your child when they make some of the grimmest and dumbest mistakes. Right? I I should've heard a big amen right there. Right? Amen. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You are a child of God and that is the most important thing. Allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in us, to mature us and to develop our character and to transform us into a new creation the one that Jesus says that we are, it is far more important than the work that the Holy Spirit does through us, right? The work that the Holy Spirit does in us, way more important. In fact, that's how we get judged, right? By who we are. The work that the Holy Spirit does in us is far more important than what he does through us. We rejoice and we give praise and we give glory to God because of who we are, because of whose we are doesn't matter where our circumstances are. doesn't matter if I succeeded or failed. He's still getting my praise. He's still getting my worship. I'm still going to give him all glory because of whose I am. The fruits of the Spirit are just as valuable as the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, the scriptures indicate that they're more important. I don't want to be a clanging symbol. I want to have the fruit of the spirit of love, because that's what makes speaking in tongues draw people to Christ. And I'll be like, okay, this is just freaky and weird, and I'm out of here. Right? I don't want any of this stuff, you know, clanging cymbals. Oh, I'm, I'll, I'll resist. I'll resist. I love it when there's a drum kit behind me and I preach about clanging cymbals because I, I can make some clang. Anyways, now the fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit are what make the gifts of the spirit effective. I know this is a long, drawn out message, but bear with me here and think about that. The fruits of the spirit are what make the gifts of the Spirit effective. The fruits of the Spirit are what provide evidence to Jesus and bring people into an encounter with Him. However, we can't neglect. Like, I remember, I can't remember who, I know Pastor Curtis used to preach it, but there was another pastor before him that was famous he used to preach it that you know it's like a road and there's a ditch on either side and when it comes to the gifts and the fruits of the spirit we have a tendency to like ride in one ditch or the other you know but jesus wants to be in the middle of the road where there's this healthy balance where you need to be seeking after both fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness and self-control faithfulness i know i was forgetting one i forgot the f word faithfulness and self-control we need the fruits of the spirit We also need to chase after the gifts of the spirit. You play a role in the body. Embrace that role. If a finger tries to be a tongue, it's never going to be happy or or, content in life. It's always going to try to be something it's not and do something that it can't do. Figure out who you are in the body. And trust me, New Hope, we have lots of resources here. We will help figure out what that is if you're not sure what your role in the body of Christ is, and then do that to your best. I mean, I, I couldn't flip through this screen if it wasn't for my finger. Trust me, I mean, nobody wants to see me do that, okay? You don't want to see me making out with my phone screen trying to scroll with my tongue, okay? Praise Jesus that I got a finger, okay? And that, <laughs> right? It's silly when you think about it in physical body parts. It's silly when you try to do it otherwise, you know? I know I'm a teacher preacher I tried to be many other things and I'm just not you know Um, I love worship but I know I'm not anointed as a worship leader when I'm up here singing and playing I'm lost in worship I don't know if I'm leading anybody anywhere or not I don't care I'm just in worship you know that that, that's not the anointing of a worship leader a leader is like taking you by the hand like hey let's go let's go into the throne room you know let's go on a journey here together that's a worship leader someone who's able to do that you know it's important to understand, you know, who you are in the body and, and just to stick in that role and to do it with your everything, with excellence. Give it everything that you got, right? It's important to understand that. And we must learn how to operate in the authority that Jesus has given us to overcome all the power of the enemy. It is time. It is a time and a season for the church to rise up and say, No more. I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm sick of seeing the enemy have a field day in my life. I'm sick of seeing the enemy deceiving my kids. I am sick of seeing the enemy bring sickness and disease and poverty into these areas. I've had enough. It is time to start rising up in the authority that we have been given. Amen. Enough is enough. That flip is coming. I'm tired of being defensive. I'm tired of being defensive. It's time to be offensive, right? We're going to start taking back some territory that the enemy has been sitting on for way too long. We're going to be that Joshua generation that says, all right, thanks for keeping this place pruned, but now it's mine. It's not yours anymore. It's mine, right? That's what God is doing. Because I don't know about you, but lately, my experience hasn't been lining up with the promise. I've been standing and declaring and proclaiming the promises and believing, I, I, like there are a few instances when I believed in, in God's promise so much that I could see it happening. I could just see it happening, and then it didn't happen. And I'm tired of feeling like I'm missing it. I want to know what it is I'm missing so that I am fruitful and effective in my ministry the way that Jesus was. He healed every sickness, every disease. Never did he turn a single person away and say, No, that's just the Father's will for you in your life. Just go and, you know, do the best you can. He healed every sickness, every disease, every person that came to him for deliverance, he drove that demon out. Every single one, every single time. Listen to these two accounts that reveal just how much power and authority there is in the name of Jesus. The first occurred while Jesus was still alive. The second occurred when he had died and rose again. That's the era that we are living in. We are living in this spirit-filled era. When we are the hands and feet of Jesus here on the earth. And bear with me here because we're going to understand a little more here. First one's from Mark chapter 9, verse 38 through 41. John said, teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. And we told him to stop. He's not one of us. Right? You get this picture that's happening? John's a little jealous here. He's not even one of us. And he's out there in the name of Jesus driving out demons. You want to talk about the authority and the power in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, don't stop him. No one can can do a miracle in my name and then in the next moment say anything bad about me. Don't you love that? You don't need to defend Jesus. He'll, He'll stand on his own. Jesus said, for whoever is not against us is for us. And very truly I tell you, anyone who even gives a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. So, someone who was not even a disciple of Jesus, who had no relationship with him, saw what his disciples were doing, and they decided to be copycats. So they decided that was so cool. I want to do that, and they went out and tried it, and like it, it worked. In Jesus' name, get out of there, you know, and demons are fleeing and. They were just having a lot of fun with it and his disciples were a little jealous and Jesus said, don't stop them. I mean, if they see the sign happen in Jesus' name, it doesn't matter what the person says bad about Jesus. People are going to be like, that just happened in in Jesus and that's what they're going to connect, the person of Jesus, right? Awesome. It's amazing. But think about that. The power and the authority they had just by invoking the name of Jesus. Now I'm going to back a few verses up just to help us understand the power and authority that we have in Jesus and the fact that it will never, ever, ever, ever override the will of people. Here's the other thing. I said that every single person who came to Jesus was healed, was delivered. Did you ever notice that there was only a few instances when Jesus went seeking somebody out, when he went chasing somebody down? He he was able to be so... So effective in his ministry because those people were coming to him expecting to receive it. There was an expectation they had that Jesus is going to heal and deliver them. So much so that that one old lady, you know, she grabbed the, the, the hem of his garment and she was healed. Power went out through the hem of his garment. They were chasing after him and that's why those things happened. But the miracles that Jesus performed were for those individuals who were requesting or desiring them. And I don't know about y'all, but I know there have been a few times, and it's it's been a couple of years at this point, right? I don't know, maybe a year. But um, when I stepped out in public just believing that Jesus wanted to do something, and there was two instances, and Becky was with me both times. She can, you know, can confess to this, that, that I really felt like God wanted to heal somebody. And of course, I'm sweating bullets, I'm nervous, I'm shaking, and I'm like, excuse me, like, I know this is weird, but do you by chance struggle with this? And I'm like, yeah, I do. How did you know that? I'm like, well, I believe Jesus revealed this because he wants to heal you of it. And one time I was in the old talk about KFC and all the Dang, guys, like, ah, no, thank you. <laughs> talk about getting taken back. Like, okay. Okay, may I ask why? Why you don't want to be healed of that? Well, I've lost my social security check. I, <laughs> like, okay, all right, I get it. You know, twice that happened to me. like, it was interesting, very interesting. We cannot override the will of people. God chooses not to, and neither can we. You can't force someone to get healed. You can't force someone to get set free from their addictions. And trust me, this is hard when it's family that you love about and you care about, because you would do anything to set them free. But they're not going to get free until they want to be free. And then Jesus is standing right there with his arms wide open to set them free. You cannot override the will of people. We back up a few verses here. It says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months. Three months he is preaching and teaching boldly, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe. They publicly maligned the way. That's a capital W. It's you know, the gospel, the faith in Jesus. And so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had a discussion daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. So if you're not seeing this, he went from the house of God out to the public square. The people of God were just hard-headed, hard-hearted. They were just obstinate. They didn't want to believe it. And so he went out into the marketplace. He went out there and started just having discussions with people. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. If you look at a Bible map from that time, I mean, you look at a map today of, the, of what Asia looks like, a continent, almost a near, nearly a whole continent, hearing the good news about Jesus because Jesus said, you know what? I'm done with you hard-headed, hard-hearted people. I'm going out there. They all heard. And guess what happened? As he was teaching and preaching and sharing the good news about Jesus, in verse 11, it says that God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Who did the miracles? God. Who did he work through? Paul. Who still does miracles today? God, the one who never changes, right? Same yesterday, today, and forever. Who does he work through now? Us. Me. You. I. Us. Us. Those are our pronouns, us, he, we, they, you know, whatever. We'll take them all. We're all one in Christ. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Now, did Paul start a ministry where he sold his handkerchiefs to be healing people? Did Paul do that? Did Paul endorse that? It just happened it was just a flaky thing that happened and it was awesome right you know but people's expectation were that high because they heard about Jesus they heard about Jesus so they'd be healed by anything right but here's the key here's the key sometimes you have the right message the right gifting the right attitude you have the right everything Paul did Paul had such a gifting and anointing that the whole province of Asia heard about the good news about Jesus, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were taken off of him and healed people. Paul had it all. But if he stayed in the wrong place, none of that would have ever happened. If he stayed in the synagogue, fighting with people who didn't want it, he would have never experienced it. I believe that Jesus is calling us into a planting season in a different place. Places that you may have never even been before. Because when you take that and you put it in the right place, look what happened. Revival broke out. People heard the good news. They received the good news. They were healed. They were delivered. Why keep preaching to people who have chosen to reject your message when you could instead share the good news with people who would accept it? Why keep fighting with that? Now, pray for that family member. Share the good news. But I learned a long time ago the hard way when I was told to check my Bible at the door anytime I'd walk into my family's house. It's not worth it. You're not going to win them over that way. So just be you. Just be you in their presence and just trust you. They already heard everything they need to hear. Let the Holy Spirit do a little bit of that work, right? Jesus had to pull Paul away from the Jews, his own people, and lead him to the Gentiles. This is the very same group of people that he used to despise with every ounce of his being. There may be some people who just rub you the wrong way. Places where you would never dream of going. And yet God may be calling you to go there. And you may see revival like you've never seen before. All because you're willing to say, I'm following you, Jesus. It was there among the Gentiles that the gospel was received and signs, wonders, and miracles followed like they had never happened before, even during Jesus' time in the flesh. It was that uncomfortable and even personally offensive place where Paul's ministry was actually effective, so much so that nations heard the good news about Jesus and everything that he does. Now here's the second account, okay? So bear with me. I know it's going long. Some Jews went around driving out... Evil spirits. Again, we're talking about the authority, the power of the name of Jesus and what it can do. So Paul shared the good news with the Jews. Some of the Jews went around driving out evil spirits. And they tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would go around saying, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a, a Jewish chief priest, were one of the ones doing this one day one of the evil spirits answered them jesus i know paul i've heard about but who are you then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them overpowered them all and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding this became known to the jews and the greeks who were living in ephesus They were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now began to come and to openly confess the things that they had done. And this is the sinful things that they had done. Revival broke out because somebody got the snot beat out of them, okay? You want to talk about the confusing works of God? (laughs) Revival broke out. People who were believers came and they started confessing their sin. It said a large number of them practiced sorcery. So they brought their scrolls together and they burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. I mean, just wages, years and years of wages. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Here's the takeaway that I want us to have from this. Think about those two accounts. And there are many, many, many more. But for time's sake, I'm I'm not going to share about them. If somebody who doesn't even know Jesus can go around and perform signs, wonders, and miracles in his name, how much more can we who have a relationship with him do? And again, it's not about the works. It's about who you are and whose you are. But you have a calling. You have an anointing. You have been given authority and power in the name of jesus so that people will know who he is you can tell me that jesus loves me and you can preach the bible at me i don't care about those things but man when i've got some kind of serious terminal illness and i get healed of it when the doctors couldn't even do anything about it i want to know that jesus i want to know more about him I'm going to be sitting at your feet day and night to learn more about who this person is that did this thing for me. It's a sign. It's a sign to point people to Jesus. And you've been given the authority to perform signs so that people will know who he is, so that they can have a taste and see his goodness experience. People have heard a lot of things about Jesus. It's time for them to see who Jesus is. It's time for them to have an encounter and an experience with the one true living in God personally now if one people with no relationship with him at all can how much more can we I know there's so many here who kind of feel like me and it's it's easy to preach but I haven't been seeing it happen you know I'm gonna keep standing on the word I'm gonna keep believing it because I know I'm missing it God isn't if he promised it and he said it's gonna happen and he said these things his word's true I just got to figure out how I'm missing it and where I'm missing it So we know the promises of God. We pray them. We declare them. We believe them with our everything, but we don't always experience them. And I believe that Jesus, however, is just getting started. That's where it starts. It starts with a discontentment of, I see this happening in your word. I hear about it happening today through other people and in different areas and in different ministries. And we've even seen it happen here. But Why then and not now? Why this person and not that person? Once we start getting a hunger, I think that's what Jesus is stirring up in us, is a hunger and a desire to see even greater things. Because Jesus said, whoever believes in him will be doing everything and even greater things. I'm hungry for those greater things. And I want to know how to make them happen. Not so that I can be anything, but I'm tired of people being sick. I'm tired of people being demon-possessed and oppressed. I'm tired of addictions that people can't. I'm tired of seeing people's lives getting stilled, killed and destroyed. I know Jesus came to set them free. I know Jesus came to give them the fullness of abundance of life. And I want to start seeing that here in the land of the living, the way that David did, right? Believing fully that we're going to experience it. But I believe that's where it starts, with a hunger and a thirst for it. I believe it's the same way that Jesus instructed his disciples. Remember those saved 72 that went out and did all those things in his name? They encountered this poor little boy who struggled with epilepsy. And it's still a disease that strikes us today, right? And you know how frustrating that can be as a, as a parent, watching your child get overtaken by this seizure and being able to do nothing about it. And the, this this father was just killing him seeing this. And so... <laughs> Those disciples, the 72 that were sent out who were driving out demons and healing everyone and doing all these things, they came to this one little boy. They were trying everything they had. Nothing was working. Nothing was working. So don't feel bad if you're ever in that place. You know, I'm there in a lot of areas. It's like, I'm doing everything that I think I'm supposed to do, but I'm not seeing success, right? Jesus came upon that scene And he showed them exactly what had to be done to be successful. And you can find that whole account in Matthew chapter 17. He's like, oh, this kind, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. So, right now, I believe he's growing a holy hunger and an anger within us, getting sick and tired of seeing the kingdom of darkness taking over here in our family, in our friends' lives, in our community, in our world. And he's growing this deep discontentment that's going to cause us to hunger and thirst for more. And as a result, he's going to do everything he said to do. He's going to instruct us and teach us how to be successful in life and in ministry. He's going to give us eyes to see and ears to hear what is happening in the spiritual realms around us the same way that he did, so that we are successful. It's similar to how, there's another example of this. I'm not going to go to it for time. Today. Elisha, remember? His enemy was over, surrounded they were surrounded by the enemy's army. And Elisha, Elisha's, um, one of his servants comes. He's like, what are we going to do? We're surrounded. We're going to be destroyed. He was gripped by fear. And there are so many people in the world today gripped by fear. Paralyzed by fear. They won't go outside of their four walls because of fear of what might happen. And Elisha simply prayed. He said, Lord, Open his eyes to see. And in that moment, Elisha's servant's eyes were opened. And now he still saw the enemy's army surrounding them, way far outnumbering him. But then he saw something else in the spiritual realms. He He saw an angel army of fiery chariots surrounding that army. And they far outnumbered that army. I believe that's what God is wanting to pry our eyes open to and to open our ears to. There are far more who are for you than who are against you. We don't have to be afraid when it feels like we are overwhelmed and overcome and that we are going to be destroyed because guess who he is? He is the way maker. He will make a way where there is no other way. He knows it. He's like, um, <clears throat> did you look over there? <laughs> And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, breakthrough, it's here. And it was there all along, you just didn't see it. So don't be afraid in the season. Don't let fear grip you. Don't let fear paralyze you. God is just getting started. We may not be seeing success in areas, but as long as we keep pursuing Jesus, we will. There was a man whose eyes were blind. He couldn't see from birth. And oh, man, did he get accused. It was because of his sin. It was because of his nasty parents and their sin. That's why he was blind. He's just getting what he deserves. That's just the wrath of God getting poured out into his man's life. And then Jesus comes along and he's like, um, no and no. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't his sin that caused him to be blind. It wasn't his parents' fault that caused him to be blind. It wasn't going back to the third and fourth generation sins that caused him to be blind. He's blind right now. So that God's glory can be manifest. And then he healed that man who was blind from birth. Can you imagine getting to see for the first time? And man, did it offend the Christian, well, not the Christian people, it offended the Jews? They wanted them to stop teaching and preaching in Jesus' name. They wanted to put an end to it. They thought it was blasphemous. Caused everyone else to be in awe of Jesus. What he can do? Do you know what everyone forgot about why was that man blind from birth no one cared anymore they're healed guess what i don't care what caused my type 1 diabetes i'll just rejoice that it's healed all right i'm just gonna be happy that it's gone right wouldn't anyone feel the same way i don't care why it happened i'm just happy that it's gone and it was jesus who did it all glory goes to him and I believe that's it. We have gone through some seasons. I know Marie has been one who has testified. She went through extended, I think it was over 10 years, right? A season of sickness that just debilitated her, that stole her life away. But she believed that Jesus was the healer. And look at her now. She's healed. It doesn't touch her, right? Same with It tried to come back with, uh, with Tammy, but it's gone in Jesus' name. It will not have a hold on her. It doesn't matter when it happens, it doesn't matter how long we suffer from it, what matters is that Jesus is our healer, he is our deliverer, he is our restorer, he is our provider, he is our everythinger. <laughs> all authority, all power is under his feet. And he has extended it to you and said, "Go. Go share the good news with all the nations. And watch what we can do." So Jesus this morning We are asking you to, the same way you did for Saul before he became Paul, that you would just take those scales off of our eyes, that you would remove the veil that is over our mind, like Philip had, that he just couldn't understand. Jesus, this morning, we give our lives into your hands fully and completely. We confess that we are a sinful people. We are so in need of your salvation. We need you to forgive us of all of our sins. We need you to break off that old creation that we used to be so that we can be a new creation in you, so that we can see the way that Elisha saw, (coughs) so that we can walk in success even as you did. We want to go out into this community. We want to go out into this world, and we want people to know you. And we are willing to lay our lives down to make it possible. And so like Isaiah said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. I thank you that you have entrusted me with your kingdom. With all power and all authority. We pray as you taught us to pray. That your kingdom would come. And that your will would be done here on earth even as it is in heaven. We pray, Jesus, what, what you said we would do, that we would do everything that you did in even greater things than this. We thank you for those things that are coming. Teach us how to walk in your power and in your authority. But as we are walking in your power and your authority, as our aprons and napkins are healing the blind, help us to remember the only thing that matters. That our names are written in heaven. That we are a child, we are a son, we are a daughter of you. Help us to be a life that bears the fruit of your Holy Spirit so that people will come for the gifts of your Holy Spirit. In your name, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every name the name that every knee must bow to. The name of all power and all authority we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, well get out there and have some fun this week, alright? You got a kingdom to establish out there. Woo!